I think that when most people hear this gospel, they're just confused. I was confused. Like, what the heck, Jesus? It's a bit much, huh? Right? He says that we have to, above all of our loves, he has to be first. In Luke's gospel, he goes even further. He says, unless you hate your family and friends, you cannot be my disciple. I mean, this is the same God, right, that gave us the fourth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. He's also the same God that told us to love one another as I have loved you. And now he's telling us, I got to be central. Like, is this, is our God that needy? Like, he needs us so much that he's like, you will worship me over everybody else. You got to be joking. See, but God isn't joking. He doesn't exaggerate. He doesn't lie. God's not soft. The real God is good and loving, but he's not soft and he's not easygoing. And he demands that we love him above all other loves in this world. And not just sort of. Totally. In John's gospel, he says, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. So why is he so adamant about this? Is it just for him? So he has all this worship from us like we're just his slaves? I don't think so. I think this has way more to do with us than it does him. A very basic Christian principle is that everything in our life is a gift. Everything is a gift. But the other half of that principle is that in this life, everything is slowly passing away. And it's just a matter of time before everything and everyone will be taken away from you. We just uh, yesterday morning had the funeral of Alan Shreve, one of our parishioners, a great man. And I was reminded again of this principle, that all is gift, but all will go away, as was his grieving family. And here's the thing, it's not just in death, this principle is everywhere. I mean, you guys can say what you want about my, great, uh, my good looks and my extremely fit body, <clears throat> but why are you laughing? But my youth is gone. Like, gone, gone. I got gray in my beard. I got gray in my hair. I mean, I used to be somebody. I was the captain of the soccer team. We, played, we won the state championship in baseball. I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and never gain a pound. Not only now can I not eat a lot, because if I eat too much, I get fat. But second, everything I eat affects me. It's amazing how the body changes. When I used to snowboard in college, we would get out. First of all, we'd have a long night of hanging out, let's just call it. <clears throat> and then we would get up the next morning. We would get first tracks, like 8.30, 9 a.m., and we would board hard all day until 4.30. Last lift, we would be, you know, the ski patrol would be kicking us off, of the, off the mountain. Now, I'm out at noon, and by 2 p.m., I got a beer and a nacho. And like getting hurt, I mean, back then if I got hurt, you just get up and power through it. I get hurt now, forget about it, man. It's like two days before I'm moving again. My energy's going away. I used to be able to work endlessly. Now I feel like I need a nap all the time. And I'm young. I'm 43. I'm, I'm only half dead. I'm not, I'm not all the way dead yet. My friends are gone. I have, I have high school classmates that have died. 
My mom is gone. And others will be taken from me. I am well aware of that. The dream of a whole life ahead of me with endless possibilities, that's gone. I made my choice, and now for good or ill, here I am. My mobility is going away. Man, I was fast. I don't mean to be bragging myself up this morning here, but I was. I was fast and I was agile, man. I was really quick. I was like the fastest kid in the soccer team. One of the fastest kids in the school. Last year, I was in an indoor soccer team on an indoor soccer team. I got a breakaway. In my glory, right? Breakaway. I take off as fast as I can and I fell. My... My legs couldn't keep up with my brain because my body's 42 and my brain's like 18. It all fades. It all goes away. Now my shoulders are shot. My ankles are shot. My, my neck chronically hurts. And at some point, I'm going to lose everything. All my gifts, all my talents, all my loves in life will be taken away at death. But there will be one thing left. The giver of the gifts. Jesus is saying, I'm the one who will give all the gifts. They come from me, flow through me, and come back to me. He's pleading with us today. If I can boil it down to a simple phrase, he's saying, love the giver more than the gifts. But man, do we invest in gifts. And they're going to fail us. You know, this is, I hate to keep bringing them up, but Tom Brady, I, I, I don't know if you guys have watched any of these Stan Firm podcasts that I'm doing, but on one of them, I call out Tom Brady. I'm like, Tom, if you ever see this, just give me a half hour. Please, I just want to talk to you. Because what has Tom Brady done? He's taken the gift. I mean, say what you want, love him or hate him. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. The gift, and he's made it everything. And now the gift is gone. And he doesn't know who he is. Am I a husband? Am I a father? Am I a football player? Am I an analyst? Because he invested too much in the gift and not in the giver. And we do this, I think, because we don't take Jesus at his word. We seek the gifts far more than the giver because I think that we've domesticated Jesus. You know what domesticating means? If you take a dog and domesticate a dog, what do you do? You take the fierceness out of it. You take the wildness out of it. And you tame it down so it obeys you. We've done that to Jesus. There's a prayer in the old rite of exorcism. I love it. It says, at the holy and terrible name of Jesus, Satan be gone. When's the last time you ever thought of Jesus' name is terrible? It's because it's powerful, majestic, wild, fierce. But we've just tamed it down to nice. Loves everything, everyone. Doesn't, doesn't matter what you do. We really have taken the almighty and majestic God and created him in our image and likeness. We've domesticated God and said, you obey us. He's not the center and priority of most people's lives. He's just something on the side. In the gospel, what Jesus is clearly saying is this, and this is harsh, I know. He's saying, if I'm just another something in your life, 
That's the same thing as me being nothing in your life. Either God is everything or he will just be another thing on the side. And when we do this, if he's just a thing on the side, we can rationalize all types of behavior and say it's compatible with the life of a Christian because God's not the center. We are. I know that's harsh. After the 4 p.m., this lady came up. She's like, great homily, Father. I'm like, oh, thanks. She's like, it's like our weekly beating from Father Waltz. <laughs> it's like, I didn't know it was that harsh. <laughs> but if God's not at the center, we'll rationalize everything because we're at the center, ultimately. I don't know if you guys remember uh, Jim Baker, Tammy Faye, Jim Baker. Yeah, some of the, the older crowd remembers him a little bit. He was a, a televangelist in the 80s. And uh, he became very, very popular, very wealthy, and a great preacher of the love of God and the mercy of God. And all of a sudden, there were like, I don't know, four accounts of adultery, 15 convictions of fraud, and he not only got divorced, he went to jail. And they interviewed him in jail. Somebody sent me this interview. It was aw- I mean, it's terrible, but awesome, too. The reporter said to him, Jim, at what point did you fall out of love with Jesus? He looked at him and said, I didn't. I loved Jesus the whole time. And the reporter, you can see, kind of is like, has this look of frustration. How could a guy who committed multiple acts of adultery, multiple acts of tax evasion and fraud, how could he sit back and say, yeah, I love Jesus. I'm a good man. And, and I think Baker could see the, the frustration on the reporter's face. And so he said, I love Jesus the whole time. The problem was, I didn't fear God. I loved Jesus the whole time. The problem was, I had no fear of God. Basically, what he's saying is, I love Jesus, but he wasn't at the center. He wasn't the Almighty. He wasn't the All-Powerful. He didn't inspire my heart to a sentiment that if I offended him, I would actually be sent to hell. Baker went on to say this. He said, there are millions of Americans just like me. They love Jesus, but they have no fear of God. And then they do whatever they want and think that Jesus will be okay with it because God is love. He said then, this prison is not God's judgment on my life. It's his mercy. If I would have kept living the way I was living, I surely would have gone to hell. So what is Jesus in your life? Is he everything? When you sin, do you feel the pain that it causes him? Do you desire immediately to be reconciled to him in confession? Or is he just, you know, something in your life? Do you fear him? And I don't mean fear like, ah! Fear in the Bible, fear of the Lord means I respect And honor the one that I love because I don't want to hurt them. And I do the things that he asks me to do because he's greater than I am. If he's king and ruler of your heart, everything else is decided. If he's not, if he's something on the side, we'll get ourselves into all types of messy situations. I know I think I've shared this with you before, but I want to end my homily with it. It's one of my favorite prayers by Father Pedro Arupe, a Jesuit. Because either the Jesuits are crazy, 
are amazing. There's no middle ground with these guys. He said this, Nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love in a quite absolute and final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, who you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything.